Welcome to another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name's Alon. And my name continues to be Ara. So, you know, in our last episode, we uh, we set out to talk about certain games. Yes, we did. Certain demos. And And there was a certain amount of time which expired before that uh, became possible. Yeah, you know, what what makes... I want to say this this show, but really it's us special, is that you know we can take an idea and completely go on a tangent and still make a good show, which is great because then we have content left over for another show later. Well, at least I hope that we make a good show. Yeah. So, now, in in our defense, um, I do listen to the radio quite a bit, and a lot of times. Um, because most of my technology runs on potatoes, I, I just have this little hand radio that I listen to. Real radio re- picks up real broadcasts, yes. right? Radio I, waves that come into your house. I don't actually, I don't really do so much of this uh, this internet radio business, right? You know, internet radio can convey the, the very same signals, right? It, it can. Okay. And, and And once in a while, I've been motivated to take advantage of it. But basically, the reason why I'm explaining all this is that normally, like, for random access radio pleasure, for me, my options are pretty limited, right? Also, I mean, no thanks to all the stations that uh, don't give great reception around here in Arizona. But anyway, the whole point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, I'll have my radio on and sometimes there's fantastic radio, but a lot of times there isn't. And even even the super popular shows, like Glenn Beck. Oh, jeez. Okay, like I don't even I don't even know what that guy's like political leanings are anyway. But I'll he's, listen to him not he's a because Republican moron. Not because I want to. Okay, but because it's really like the only thing on. Okay. Okay. And for that's still not a good reason to give him ratings, but okay. Well, I mean, they're not, not the Nielsen not rep- device is not in my household, so well in radio, it's all done through surveys anyway. But yeah, and they haven't surveyed me yet. Good. Anyway, if they do, don't tell them you listen to Beck. Okay. Well, I don't like his show particularly, and and I don't also like. I mean, I don't have Republican or Democratic leanings anyway. But my whole point is that even a show of that supposed caliber and popularity, I'll have it on, and and more than once I've said to myself. Uh, after having left it on for like 20 minutes while I'm doing something, what is this guy talking about? And not in the sense of like, oh, it's so outrageous and I politically disagree with his opinion, but like more in the sense of what we were talking about two weeks ago with that whole um, video game dialogue bullshit. What are these people saying? Like there's words and they're coming out of someone's mouth but I don't – like there's – I can't grasp any like concepts that are being conveyed. It's 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 like one of those things again. It's like all these words. So how does this relate to our program? So I hope – I hope everybody, dear listeners, that we don't do that bad a job, that we at least can convey something meaningful from a minute-to-minute basis – Sometimes in, instead of instead of professional uh, talking out of your ass, as long as we're not going on rants about Glenn, Glenn Beck, then probably. <laughs> well, it sounds like you'll have to be the one to restrain yourself in that one. Yeah, I will. Um, <laughs> yeah, he hates a lot of things and people like the gays. Yeah, we're not going to do that, though. We're yeah. not going to talk about that. OK. Um all right, so we do want to talk about like last week we brought up demos. And yeah, then, so there's like four games we want to talk about basically that we've left. Yeah, so we're gonna actually talk about. We just them. didn't, which is weird, right? Because I was really excited. Do we, yeah. we mentioned Mark of the, Mark of the Ninja last episode, yeah. but we didn't talk about it. Right. So where where do you want to start? So I'm going to disappoint you once again because we were we were last talking about the 3ds stuff, which was actually last episode. But I guess we did talk specifically about Rabby and Labby. Yeah. Which was a joy. Yeah, but we still have four more. And one of them is this, this wonderful game. At least I think it's wonderful. There, there's so few games that I use the word wonderful to describe. Unless you're being sarcastic, in which case it's a large number. But I never even use that word when I'm being sarcastic. Okay. So it's a rare prize 
for me to to say that a game is wonderful. And I only would say that of a handful of games a year, if that. And this game, to me, is rather wonderful. But we just had one of those recently. What's that? One we talked about a couple episodes ago. Did we? I can't even remember what it was. Neither can I. Oh, Outland. Outland was also wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we talked about Outland. Yeah, it's still a handful. Two is still a handful. Have you, have you gone past the dragon, by the way? No, I told you I had no time for that what shit. What the hell? I told no I time. offered to do it for you. I understand this. Jesus. But You've got to see the last boss. One day. All right. It'll, one day it will happen. Might be in 10 years. All right. But anyway, so let me tell you guys what this is all about. Um, this game is basically a block stacking game. And when I showed it to Alon originally, um, you were like, what's the big deal about this? This isn't very interesting at all. Is this the PSN game? This is No, this is the block stacking game, the 3DS game in 3D. Oh, yeah. And, and you remarked how you didn't like the pattern. You know what? It's like a PSN game that I played. And Yeah, okay. isn't it? Um, but this has like, this is a very, this product has a very like, um, it has a very dear place in my heart. Because are we, are we going to give the name of this product? I thought we told you about it. No? I Art of Touch? We did not mention it on today's episode. Touch? Okay, it's called Art of Touch. Art of Touch. Yeah, I, maybe I, I said it in my mind. Is it mind. supposed to be a play on words like Out of Touch? No, I think it's art of touch because you're like touching the touch screen. Even okay. though, even though the preferred way to play, in my opinion, is to not use the stylus on the touch or the touch screen. I imagine that's the game, the way it was designed to be played, though, to to offer some imperfection into the game. Yeah, but it's just you're just not as because you're not as precise. It's just not the de facto preferred way to play for which you, is, which is ironic. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, in some mysterious world, somebody will want to play. For the idea of using well, the stylus, and they'll they'll lose more often like than they playing, would otherwise. It's like playing playing Jenga on, with a D pad would not be that much fun, right? So, but playing it on the Wii is kind of a pain in the ass, which is what makes it more real, right? Playing Jenga in well, real life. I never actually played that on the Wii, so I can't comment. But you 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 bring up an interesting dichotomy, which is let like yes, you know what? Like, see, I'm usually always of the position of. Uh, whatever method of play results in the best performance is the best method of play. And some people will uh, not subscribe to that, and that's okay. But I, I, do, I, do, I will concede that it does make a very inelegant result when the most interesting form of play is not the best performing and the most... And the best performing method of play is also not the most interesting in different ways, which is what's happening in this game. Yeah. This I, is, I this didn't is, think that you would you would you would agree to that. Well, I mean, okay. I agree that there's a trade-off there. What okay. I don't agree is that I I will always choose the method with <laughs> the best performance. Yeah. Right. But I'll concede, right, that there's another aspect of it that has value that you lose if you go the other way. This is this is the exact same trade-off that you get with like um Wii tennis. Uh, or or bowling. Yeah. Right? Which is if you try and do the realistic motion, right? There's you can get some experiential value of that, but you'll do worse. You'll do better if you actually just you know, end up doing the motion that's the minimal motion you need to ex- to extract whatever. Just sort of flicking your wrist around. Yeah. Yeah. Right, which is you're not you're no longer playing. You get yeah. you know not, what I'm not as designed. I yeah. understand. So anyway, right um, before we got into this, right this is this is super special to me because I have this uh, non-video game. It's called Sac Noir, which okay. if you don't know French means black sack. Which yep. before you get too excited, uh, is simply a reference to uh, a cloth sack. That the game comes in, which uh, contains all manner of different shaped blocks. And the whole game is about basically building up a tower using whatever blocks you have at your disposal and not having any of the pieces fall off, which is basically the same premise of this game. So I get my black sack in digital form. So it's just nostalgic for you? So, so no, I mean, I, I the real game, I just, I don't know, I can't get enough of it. I love it, you know, because... I don't know. To me, it's like 
I think what I think what's really compelling for me in the actual physical game is the reality that a lot of times you can stack up a tower way way taller than you ever thought you could and it's just on the edge of balance right like for inches and inches above like what you thought you always think you're like okay well we can put on one more piece but then it'll definitely all fall over right and you said this like 10 moves ago you know and so like it's just this really really high state of tension is really really exhilarating now, in Art of Touch, you don't really get that so much just because of the way that they did, they did the physics, right? But it's, it's funny. I mean, you said you like puzzle games. I consider it a puzzle game. Uh, and maybe you can tell me what you actually think, but I didn't seem like you got an actual favorable impression off it. I mean, I, I do agree that it's a puzzle game, but I didn't <laughs> enjoy it very much. Yeah. So, so this is funny because I'm curious why you didn't like it because um, to me, not only is it classically a puzzle game, um, you know, you have to think about what order to put the pieces in that's going to result in, you know, the you being able to finish the level, whatever the condition is, because there's different conditions. But usually you just have to use up all the pieces that they give you and make something that doesn't tip over. Yeah, I feel like this tendency where we start talking about stuff without describing it to the audience well enough, because they haven't seen this game. Yeah, I, I would never see this game if I was listening to the show and didn't have you to show it, show it to me. Yeah. So... Basically, like like Ara said, he's got this game called Sack Noir, where he's got this literal black sack, and you pull out objects of, or blocks of different shapes. Some might be cylinders, some might be cubes, some might be rectangle, more rectangular, whatever, rectangular prisms. Right. Anyway, we'll talk about this more when we get back from the break. This, this music is killing me. We'll be right back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. All right. Really? You just like to be yelled at, I guess? No, I just... You said it's like I have a sack with some blocks, and uh, and so I built a tower. And I didn't think that that conveyed the proper image to the listeners, so I, I wanted to explain it again with with some more detail. Okay. Well, do you feel like you've said that? Do you feel like you've conveyed the? It's like you didn't detail? even you didn't mention that they were different shapes and the possible different shapes. So huh. I'm, I'm trying to build the image while they're uh, listening. You're right. I didn't say that, but right? that's you know that's just you, details. I don't know. Kids hear blocks and they just think a bunch of blocks with letters on them, a bunch of cubes. Yeah. Okay. Um, audience, the blocks in Sac Noir are of different shapes. There you go. In so, case there's any question. <laughs> All right. So in this video game, it really is essentially the same thing. Except sometimes they'll, and well, often they'll give you something to start off with, right? Uh, like right. they put a couple things down in the way, so it's not just a flat surface that you're starting off on. Right, right. You start off uh, with different surfaces. Yeah, and in this in the game, they also are like you have to use all of these exact blocks and without falling over. Right, right. Off of the platform. Incidentally, six ninety nine never felt like wanting to return it. <laughs> That's it. Cost almost four times more, and I was then Rabby Labby. Then Rabby Labby. Yes. Okay, but I. Yes, you're right. I neglected to mention what I'm comparing it to. Now, now I'm making, <laughs> now I'm making the mistake that uh, other people make to me, and really pisses me off when uh, I start using pronouns out of nowhere. Dude, Michaela did that to me yesterday, out and of the blue. 
Like, she was referring to something that happened literally, like, two days prior. Yeah, it's really upsetting. And I've complained and to like, you about it, and I just did it myself. Oh, do you want that thing that he got? Yeah, that thing over there. That Do you want that thing that he got? And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't... Two days ago, apparently, there was a little bit more detail, but that's where the pronoun was. And I couldn't believe it. So, I am with you, sir. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so in comparison to Rabby Labby, game's more expensive. Way more expensive like and way more thrilling. And they do actually a pretty good job of the The fact effect. that you described Art of Touch as thrilling. Thrilling, yes. It is, <laughs> I have been thrilled by this game. All right. How do you, you feel about the 3D element? Do you sure, think it, it adds sure, to you it? know I don't mince my words. Yeah. Do, do you think that the 3D element adds much to this game? Well, here's the funny thing is that, like, it doesn't add anything gameplay-wise. But it's, I mean, it's because there's no, you're not stacking anything in front of or behind itself. Yeah. But at the same time, like... It is it is an enjoyable effect. Let's but say. also, I mean, considering the pre- precision with which you have to place these blocks, yeah, I wonder if the three D makes funny. it easier to understand the objects. Oh, I and see. The space I think and, it and does. Yeah, I think it does. I think it makes it better, makes it easier to apprehend the precise shape of the object. Incidentally, they actually offer you two different camera modes. One of them basically just has a more extreme FOV than the other one, which just means that the three D effect is more extreme. And of course, the extreme one is the default one. Okay, is that that's what I played in? Um, no, I think I had it set already, saved to the non-extreme oh. camera. Now I'm curious because, like, with the extreme camera, you know, there's this basin that's on the floor of every stage. Yeah, there's this and, like a dish uh, of water, right? And the it like it's the really coming out at you. You know, <laughs> it's like it's totally in your face. All right. So, did we want to say anything else about it, or just the fact that you liked it more than Rabbi Labby? significantly more than Rabbi Lamy. Two. I guess I guess that's all there is to say. It's okay. good. I think it's good. This is the first three DS game that I have purchased that I think is good. Alright, for the record, by the way, downloadable. So if you're on three DS eShop, go for it. Yes. Oh there's I there's one last thing I have to complain about it. My only complaint is that uh there's it's got this camera, right? Well obviously it has to have a camera. The camera view of the level, right? The camera will basically appear to zoom in and out gradually, mind you, but unexpectedly and also like in a scripted way. And the problem is, is that like when you're holding the piece over your assembly of pieces to drop it onto it, right? Uh, The problem is that whenever the camera zooms in and out, that actually results in your piece being moved relative to the stack, if that makes any sense. It does. Yeah, because you're because, holding it in space. Because while the you're, yeah, moving. because your your piece is being held in space relative to the camera extents and not the level extents. And the problem with that is that it's like now when I first started playing it, I thought that this was like procedural, like some kind of special feature. Because as as I was like looking closer at the object to make a more precise move, the camera would zoom in a little more, and I was like, oh, this is nice. It's zooming in exactly where I want to when I want to. But the problem is was that that was just a coincidence the first couple times. And it'll also like zoom away when you don't want it to. And I don't know. I've, I can't even conceive of why they programmed it that way. You know what else is strange to me is and, – and I haven't seen this in a game that – not too many games involve you like placing blocks on things. But in the games that I have seen it, there's not this option. So like like this game, you have to be really careful because it's there's so much with the physics, right? things shake and and waver and whatever yeah when you get really really close or maybe if you press an extra button or something you should be able to like have super subtle movements and so like when i'm placing a let's say a game of jenga or something you're placing the block on top of the tower uh you know i move wildly until i get close to the tower right and then i'm super super i can get really really close i can even touch it but without affecting the the tower underneath and then let go and so there there's this gradation in control that i have with my real body where in this game it it doesn't really correlate well i feel like it should go slower you only played with the stylus but i really felt like i had enough control with the circle pad as far as that went uh well yeah if you used the circle pad you would yeah but i mean as we discussed it was probably designed to be used with the stylus right primarily all right or so let's get, let's get past this game. I am not convinced that although this game was six ninety nine, it's worthy of more time. Um, 
All right. Well, now let's uh, let's move on to uh, your special game, Mark of the Ninja. Well, you told me to play this, which I, is why I'm calling it your special game. I did, but you know, my my even specialer game is uh, sponsorship and mentioning UAT.edu, the website of the University of Advancing Technology. So, had to get that in there. Yes, sir. Squeeze that in. So now you tell me. Okay, first. Okay, let me let me do the background for this game so we get it out of the way. Mark of the Ninja. Mark of the Ninja, every time I look at this, it reminds me of Mark of Cree, which was another game involving ninja-esque characters, but nothing to do with it. Um, this game was made by the same people who made Shank. Okay. Oh, that explains the graphics. Yes. Uh, and if you need to be reminded what the graphics look like, these are... Um, I never was able to really quite describe my uneasiness with the graphical art style of this company until I think right now. And I'm uneasy every time I look at the graphics for their games because they have, like, these cartoon faces that, like, totally don't, like, agree with the action that's actually happening in the game, namely blood and dismemberment. Uh, this is mostly because, re- because they're full of glee. This is mostly a reference to Shank, and they and but it happens. It happens in this game, Mark of the. Ninja in this game, too. you don't really get to see their face all that much. No, but there are some faces, and and maybe I don't know. Maybe they've actually recognized that, and they've reduced the number of faces. But there's just something about the art style that it's just like this massive cognitive dissonance when I'm looking at. They're not necessarily happy. They're not necessarily faces of glee, right? But I think. The cartoonish nature of it, right? And I mean, like, I've seen a million animes, right? And there's been a million gory animes. And those those have not given me the same cognitive dissonance as this company's art director's faces with the extremely violent nature of the action. It's just It's just been really weird. Anyway, so this game is like a similar engine to Shank, right? Yeah. 2D... Really nice art style, really polished. But this is now, instead of it being a straight beat-em-up, it's now about stealth. Yeah, and for those who haven't played Shank or this game, I should point out that when we say really nice art style, like the fluidity of the graphics are absolutely on par with any cartoon that you've seen, right? So like the levels of animation, it's not like playing Street Fighter Two on Super Nintendo where if your character is standing still and he has this an- this stillness animation. Oh, this is why you were telling me all this. You're very impressed with the fluidity. Yeah. Like, you can actually see the various frames in other games that are 2D, right? You know, think of Earthworm Jim or something. Standing there and he does well, weird they have, stuff. Well, they have a lot of frames. That's like, for sure. This, there's so many frames, It's it looks to me like there are no frames. And it's just 3D you know, animations. It's ridiculous to me. And I, I never really, I never played Shank. I saw people playing it, but I never played yeah. it. So I didn't focus on it like that. If Shank is the same way, then, you know, I guess they're just doubling down. But, um, I was really impressed by that. But anyway, I, I do feel like they're doubling down, but I'm also, I'm really curious to hear what your impression of the actual, uh, so game I, is beyond. I'm convinced fluidity. the, the art style, yeah. the, the graphics, the way it's presented made me feel better about the game than, if it if the art was worse, I wouldn't have been as impressed, right, with the gameplay itself. Well, sure, that's I mean that's the object so, of having an art style for your game, right? Yeah, but like I'm I'm ashamed to say that it works on me. So, um, well, you won't be the first, and it is you won't be the last. I as I said to you, I thought the art was tremendous. I thought the gameplay was of high quality, but you know I wouldn't rate it as highly as the art. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was pretty darn good, pretty worth playing. And, you know, I only played the demo. I know that there's a lot of upgrades and things you can do to your character, all sorts of stuff that I would probably be totally into yeah. that, um, you know, I never really saw except in the the attract screens when it tr- wants you to buy the, the whole game. Right. Um, but, and I also looked at all the achievements. It's crazy, some of the stuff you can do. You know, you can, like, um, you can scare the guards so that, like, they get all scared and set her around and yeah, that might cause them to fall off a ledge. It's pretty ingenious. There's a lot of you novel can, ways. Uh, I mean, I haven't played every single stealth game ever made, not even close, but I felt like there's a lot of 
pretty novel things they're doing with stealth in this product. Yeah. In this game, you can you can terrorize the guards, which is hilarious to me. By, like, hanging a guard from a chain, and that scares other guards. It's good. It's not only hilarious. We'll be right back. So like I was saying, this, I think if I played the real game, I'd be more impressed than I was by the demo. Okay, so you, I'm assuming you managed to get to the end of the demo. Oh, yeah. No, I actually played through the demo several times. I mean, it's just one level, right? Right. You I played did, it several times? I played it several you times because must I... must be a glutton for punishment. No, because I saw that the you can get like a huge, huge amount of points if you don't kill anybody and if you don't ever set off an alarm basically full stealth so the game the game actually you're telling me the game does not want you to kill people correct that's you're incentivized that's to, to not kill them yet obviously killing is a big part of this game right because they they give you so many different ways to do it yeah now, but, um they incentivize point wise um by you know saying don't kill people but also don't set off an alarm so you yeah, could really you bad. could kill people and not set off alarms sure, sure. or you could set off an alarms and not kill people. Right. I was unable to even figure out how I could get through the first level, which is the tutorial level, which is admittedly trying to teach you how to kill people. Yeah. Um, I couldn't figure out how to get through it uh, without setting off alarms. If, if you're opting to not kill people, right? So I guess maybe I could do it in two pieces, but that's not how it is. Like you can get this many points well, for can, not killing people. You can people. kill people though and not set off an alarm. Yeah, but... It's it's not like an achievement how you do it once and you get one of the things and you do it again and you get the other one. It's like to get maximum score, you need to not set off any alarms and not kill anybody. Right. Well, it may not be possible to kill to do both in that one stage. Yeah. It's possible. You think it uh, is? That's fe- no, that idea crossed my mind that I perhaps see. it is not possible to do that. I'm sure there is some – there's got to be some way, but I couldn't, I couldn't see it. And I got past – I got up to one part and I just kept playing this one part over and over. I was like, how could I possibly get past this particular section without setting, an o- setting off an alarm or killing the guy? Mm-hmm. And what was weird is it's one of those situations where the very first time you do it, you, you set up a situation like, you know, I shot out a light and that caused a guy to move. And then like I did something else. And then, okay, I got him to move across the screen in such a way where I would be able to slip by him. But... I, I didn't really know how to do it, so I failed. And so when I tried again, I could never get it to happen again. Like, the thing that previously triggered him to do something, right. no longer, no matter how many times I tried or different things I tried to do, uh, no longer triggered him to move out of the way, which was absolutely necessary. Um, anyway. That sounds very upsetting. Long story short, I tried for a long time to get through without setting off any alarms. I did manage to get through without killing anybody, which is not terribly difficult. Uh but not setting off alarms on that first level is pain in the ass. Right. Possibly well, impossible. I've uh, I haven't played it as many times as you did. I actually only played two different sessions, and this was very interesting to me because my impression after the first session was an incredibly negative one. Why? I I didn't I didn't think that it was a pleasant experience at all. I mean, it's like obviously the thing is very nicely polished. There's a lot of really interesting ideas. The first time I played it, I didn't really understand the systems that they were trying to explain to me very well. And it's it's funny because I thought that there was actually there's far too much to educate the player about and they dumped it on you I thought far too quickly. And so I didn't feel too bad about it. This is well the reason why I say so is because the second time I played, right? Um first of all I actually read like the screens that sh- the how to play screens. Oh yeah. No, and you those do that. those explain details that the actual tutorial gameplay doesn't explain to you. 
Um, well, that's, so that, that's part of the tutorial. It's not strictly speaking part of it. I mean, I only stumbled on it the second time I played it. You, know, you have to know to go there, first of all. What do you, what do you mean? To you get, put the text on the screen? You have to know to go to the screen that says how to play. Oh, no, I never did that. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm talking about. Like what? What it's, did you learn in it's that an X, screen? It's an XBLA standard screen. There were just there were some details about like what, like what how co- to properly kill someone. Well, like for example, um, the game never told me what the red mark on a car- on an enemy means. I thought that it meant yeah, that they that were either. about to kill me, or they are about to see me, or something real bad because red is you know the universal color of danger, something like that, right? Yeah. Uh, but no, all it means is that you're within range so you can kill them. Oh, no, I think I figured that out. Yeah. Well, but I, it wasn't conscious. I, it would have been better off if it was conscious. Yeah. Well, it, uh, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what that meant the first time. And then the second time I played it, then I knew what it meant. And so that, that made it a lot more pleasant. And also when, the, when I played it the second time, I also like I, – I was able to un- internalize and understand like what the sub-weapon did and I was able to actually use it. Whereas the first time, since they were dumping so many new concepts on top of me – and this is like – this is a big issue in, in, in game design – um, I wasn't able to actually remember all of it. And so there were – I was trying to go through parts of levels where all of the choices that were available to me in terms of how to get past obstacles weren't apparent at all to me. It was very frustrating. Anyway, after I figured all that stuff out, right, and I was able to actually finish that whole first level the second time I played, still don't still don't like it. It's like one of those things where – I can appreciate it for what it is, and it's definitely something meaningful, and it's definitely something artistic that they've done, and it's definitely something significant, but it's just not a pleasant thing for me to do. I just don't want to do it. Part of me can see that. And, and let me tell you why. Like, I can explain a little better um, why that is. And part of that has to do – I mean, this is, this is a subjective personal opinion, of course – but the main reason is is because there's a – I think this is an inherent problem in stealth games actually. I don't want to necessarily classify it as a problem, but it's definitely an inherent attribute of stealth games. And I think that uh, like Metal Gear Solid had this same quality and maybe some of the other stealth games too do too. And that specifically is that – you know. Because you have a stealth game, you basically have two modes of play, okay? You have modes where they don't know where you are, and they have modes where you're spotted, right? And the problem is that the mode where you're in shadows is kind of like – in a few cases when you're about to do something that you think is risky, it's a high-stress situation. But in most cases, it's very low stress, you know, because there's not really anything coming right at you. You can you don't move around that much. You can you have plenty of time to kind of survey the area, see what's around before you make your move, right? Then when you make quote your move, right, it's like the stress level of the entire interaction just ratchets up like crazy. And if you get detected, then it ratchets up again like crazy. And just that kind of dichotomy between like super high stress mode of gameplay and a super low stress mode of gameplay it's very unsatisfying to me you know it's like it has like this staccato rhythm that is is very very difficult to get into a flow with and that's why i don't like it i i think that appeals to other people more than it does for you oh i'm sure it does but at the same time i i find it i find it interesting that you and i have uh, different reactions because I agree with the high stress well, you know, when you're about to make your move because, like, you could potentially screw it up and then the alarm goes off, right? Yeah. And you're like, that's when it comes suddenly huge. It's For me, once the alarm goes off, it's actually no stress because now I know exactly what I have to do, just escape and then, you know, wait till the enemy forgets about me, which is a complaint that I have about the game and most other stealth games that... Um, in some cases, the AI is incredibly stupid, and they always are in these types. You of know games. what's funny is that the second time I played, it was kind of like that for me, just as you described. But the first time I played, and maybe it was just because like I didn't have all the buttons memorized yet, 
I was always fumbling for buttons once I got detected, and I always got my ass kicked. But I think it was, that was because I didn't really remember what the buttons did. Yeah, it's um, I mean, once once they know where you are, it's like oh, do to do. I just I'm going to escape because there's so yeah, many you, different ways. You for just me to go escape. to a hiding place and then you wait there. Yeah, no, and no. even if you die, you don't get set back that far. So not a big deal. I'm not stressed about dying. Right. But um, but yeah, I. The important point I think is that you just feel differently about that situation. I think a lot of people like that, that sort of high stress. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of having totally different kinds of games, you know? Yeah. But, um, anyway, I, I certainly urge people to at least try it. You'll know from the demo if it's your kind of game. Clearly. Like you, you'll play and you're like, yeah, this is, this is pretty bombastic. So, uh, it's a game that I would, I would suggest people give, give a try. Do is, is criticizing the title beyond us? Uh no, the title is probably the lamest part of it. Could they could they have like thought of something a little more creative? Is that too far out of the box? Is that uh, could upset the marketing people? Yeah. What's what's even worse is that some of the names they put in it were you know also present in other games that I've seen. Like I think Tatsuji is one of the names, like important parts of the the storyline. Yeah. And, well, like, they're probably using. I'm pretty sure Japanese I've seen Tatsujin before. I don't know what it is. Uh, tell Tatsujin company, right? Tatsujin means Iron Man, literally. Does it? Tetsu means Iron. Jin right. means man. All right. Well. So. Anyway, uh, name is stupid, but or just commonplace, I should say. Common. Let's go with common. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what do, what do we have next on the docket? All right. We only have like a minute before break, but we can introduce it. Yeah. Well, let's uh well we've got Rock Band Blitz. I was very excited about Rock Band Blitz. I still actually haven't haven't bothered to pick it up. Um but I since I saw it at E3, I was really excited about it. But I, I was a big frequency and amplitude player. So like, okay, let me put it to you this way, right? I mean, I haven't after having played Rock Band and all the guitar heroes and all the instruments. Well, it is a totally different game. What what would compel you to want to go back to the potato slash uh, controller powered version of rhythm game? It's a totally different experience it's not well it is i don't totally feel like like inadequate in my opinion no but like when you're playing and i mean obviously you're not really making music but it's it's designed to give you the feeling yeah and, that you're making and, music and the or, mapping of what you're doing is i mean it's just it's so much stronger you know yeah but in that game so i'll, I'll tell you this when i'm playing rock band i feel artistic right like i want to move with the guitar like i'm playing a real guitar i want to pretend to be a rock star and there's there's something about that game where it it instills that in pretty much every player i am feeling a rhythm whereas in rock band blitz i'm playing it like a mathematician all right i can appreciate that or understand it Are you going to find a Master of Science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. And we're back once again. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio where we don't talk about Glenn Beck. Don't talk about Glenn Beck. But we do talk about Rock Band Blitz. So. I was just saying that Rock Band, feel like a rock star. Rock Band Blitz, 
feel like a mathematician. I'm playing it like very much like like the, a game of Simon, not a game of music rhythm. Yeah. Well, I I think that that's a pretty decent way to explain it. But do you do you get the feeling like do you wonder why they felt the need to release this game now? Um, I. You Does know, it I, seem I was like, talking to one of the way. I'll, I'll give you the loaded question. Okay? I should have asked at E3. There were developers seem, there. Does this seem like a cash grab to you? No, I'm. I'm willing to bet that it's it's close to at least one of the people involved because it's it's very much a step back to frequency and amplitude, which were two games that were similar to one another, um, which were the first games that Harmonix produced. Right. So, um, and of course, Harmonix made Guitar Hero, which then became. Um, rock band right. so um it was uh, frequency with this game that like you're kind of on this this what was it, a hexagon or something and no maybe it was the half tunnel i don't remember exactly but like you've got this little spaceship thing that kind of plays music a little bit it was basically the same as rock yeah, band blitz it was it was well it was actually i think the, the more precise way to describe it was that it was just like guitar freaks which was out at the time by a different company, except no guitar controller. You had to play with your regular what? controller. Yeah, because Guitar Freaks had three buttons, and you have three buttons in Frequency. Yeah, but Frequency has different tracks that you have to travel across. Okay, and then you have different tracks you have to travel yeah, across. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see the similarity between Guitar Freaks at all, but... Well, it's it has the exact same mapping of anyway, buttons. It's it's kind. Of, what's funny is it, it's kind of a mix between like a space spaceship shooter. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it is. no. That's what you feel no, like it does not feel a like a shooter thing. at all. It is. You must be crazy. But mixed with like a rhythm game. It's a rhythm game. I mean, I'm talking mixed. about frequency, not Rock Band Blitz. Yeah, frequency is a rhythm game mixed with a rhythm game. <laughs> okay. I, I I would not in any universe describe it as anything shooter like whatsoever. Well, I mean, because they put the spaceship thing. Yeah, just because they put a spaceship on the wall doesn't make it a shooter, brother. No, that's what it feels like. Maybe to you. All right. So anyway, I kind of feel like this is a this is a bit of a cash grab that they're like, oh, what rhythm game can we make, and how can we possibly make it different from the ones that we've already Listen, made? They've been stuck making music rhythm games forever. Fair, well, I guess they were making Dance Central as well. But fair enough. But. At the same time, I, I don't feel like... Let me just put it to you this way, okay? From what I've seen of this game so far, I don't feel like it's differentiated enough for it actually to be viable as, like, an artistic piece, okay? Well, I'm, I might not go that far, but I uh, I do think it was fun. I'll... I'll leave it at that. It I enjoyed was, it. But again, like I enjoyed frequency. It's kind of weird. I mean, it, it definitely, they, you know, they emphasize over and over to you, right, that it's it's not a, as much about hitting the, all the notes correctly as it is basically giving equal time or enough time to each of the tracks because you have to, as you play through the songs in this game, right, there's like five tracks now. You can only play one track at a time. And you don't even have three buttons anymore. You just have a right button and a left button. And you can, um, you know, every once in a while you go up to a checkpoint. And if all of your multipliers for each of the tracks aren't at a sufficiently high point at the checkpoint, then you have to restart. And the only way you get the multipliers up is that you play notes, right? And so efficient play basically means that you get the multiplier up to the minimum level of each track before you get to the checkpoint every time. Yeah. And and so you're right. I mean, it's definitely a lot more mathematical. There was one actually that had a serious problem with the game that I think I think the way they designed it, there's no way to get around it. And that's the fact that you have uh two different types of control that are so closely mapped to each other yet completely different functionally that there's way too much chance to confuse them for each other. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. You mean if you change the settings to the other control? No, 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 no. If you use default settings. Because okay. in order to switch tracks, you press the L and R shoulder buttons, okay? Like left and right triggers. That's how you move from one track to another, right? 
and so you have this is a very natural mapping, right? And it makes sense, and this is what you would do, right? But then within each track, you have a right control and a left control to hit those notes, right? The problem is that it's too easy to confuse playing the note versus switching tracks because they both have the same number of mappings and they both have mappings in the same directions, left and right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I'm, I remember being a little bit confused. Yeah. And, and so I, I think like that's losing gonna, track of what button does what. It's going to happen all the time. And it's, it's just because, I mean, this is, this is one of my favorite subjects when talking about game design, you know, because it's like, it's like the brain, the brain wishes it wants to have like as many different things that it can perceive as well differentiated as possible. And so good game design in general is basically the designer feeding or feeding back information to your brain in the most apprehensible way possible. And the most apprehensible way possible is one that gives you the best contrast between all the other things you have to remember at the time, right? And if so... This is why, right, if there's a bullet coming at you and you need to dodge it, right, it's better if the bullet is white against the black background versus the bullet being gray against the black background, right? It's because it's an issue of contrast. I mean, you understand that, right? Like, the gray bullet would be harder to see. Yes. Now, the funny thing is, is most people, like, this is, this is, I think, why this is a hard concept for people to grasp is because, like, okay, well, looking at a gray dot against a black background you can see it right looking at a white dot against a black background you can still see it and so most people are like well i can just see i can see it so there's no difference right but the problem is the brain doesn't work that way right and in dynamics and games don't work that way either when you're considering game dynamics oftentimes right the thing that is very difficult for uh let's say non-designers to consider is that it's not just you looking at one dot against one background. It's you looking at this dot against a background in oftentimes a very short time scale, right? So now if you had to detect this dot and you only had a quarter of a second to do it in, right? Now this is a very different challenge than being able to see it and having an infinite amount of time to see it in. But that's not all, right? Because that's not the only thing that's happening in the game on screen at once. There's lots of other things that are happening in the game, whatever game you're talking about, on the screen at the same time. And, I mean, we've kind of, I think, touched on this before, but I don't actually remember how much I've talked to you about this a lot. But, like, this is this all goes towards the concept of cognitive load. You know what, it, you know what I mean when I say that? No, not exactly. So cognitive load basically just means that you have limited resources to cogitate on whatever it is you're cogitating on, right? In other words, thinking about. You can only think about a certain number of things at the same time. You can only comprehend a certain number of things at the same time, right? Once there's more than that, then you're overloaded, and that means that you're going to forget things. So this is why, for example, when I was playing Mark of the Ninja, that I couldn't remember how to use um, you know, the, those, those ninja shurikens or whatever, yeah. right? Uh, it's because I had to remember so many other things at the same time that it's just it's just left. It's just that the element just got dropped off, right? And so this is like one of the most important things that designers, not just designers, but the implementation, the actual execution of a game, has to be considered, right? Is that you you need to be really careful not to like overload your player. And one way to avoid overloading your players to present them things and feedback and graphics in ways that are as well distinguished from each other as possible, right? And you really want to take that as far as you can. And this is another reason why I think um, games that are a lot more stylistic, for example, tend to be more appealing. Because if you're in a space where you can be stylistic about your graphics, then you have that much more space to be well differentiated, you know? This versus the game that takes place in a realistic city where all the characters look the same, right? They don't and really and look the same. Everything's brown and gray. They just look like they're realistically different, right? And the problem is, is if they're realistically different, now it's harder to keep track of who's who. 
because they blend together. You know, and game game design to me is, I think, all about making everything you want the player to know as distinct as possible. And so that's one one failure I think that Rock Band has intrinsically, unfortunately. Rock Band blitz. Where? Well, in the mapping of the controls, right? Because you can't – because you have two controls that are intrinsically similar to each other. I had forgotten how we got on this tangent. Yeah, yeah. I know. We, we took a long road around the bend. Okay. So that's one thing that this has, has suffered from a lot. Frequency and amplitude, both the, – the company wasn't sure how they should map to the controller, and this game has the same problem. Um, well, it's even worse now because – see, before you had three buttons, and then you could switch tracks, Right. But now, since you only have two buttons, and then you switch tracks with two buttons, it actually makes both actions even more similar, and thereby it's even harder to differentiate between them as a player. Yeah, it's it's not something you can't learn, but but yeah, the game's controls... Uh, it's not that the game controls poorly, it's that the way the game was designed just doesn't relate to the default controller very well. That's just the way it is. Right. Well, the thing is, like, I don't even think it's necessary. A problem with the default controller. I think that if you made that scheme and you could use any controller you wanted, it would st- you'd still have the same issue. It's because it's it's the ma- it's the similarity of the mapping that's the problem. Yeah, but Get you it? could do different things. You could use face buttons and trigger buttons. You you'd could... have to really use like a like two different control buttons, two sets of them that really feel different for each from each other. This is why, like on jet joysticks, like jet fighter joysticks, like real ones. Right? Every single button feels different. That's why they do that. Every single control, they've got like five or six different control methods. They're not just all buttons. That's why. All right. Well, uh, you know, we got another show in the can. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to go to chatterboxgameshow.com. Email us if you want. Uh, tell us what you want us to talk about. Give us some ideas. Also, feel free to leave us a voicemail at 480-4GAME21. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.